You're listening to the Reimagined Social Media Podcast. If you see the importance and power of social media but aren't comfortable creating content that just adds to the noise, this show is for you. It's time to stop thinking of social media as a necessary evil or something you dread and to start embracing it as a powerful tool to build a more human world. I'm your host, Katie Hinderer, a former blogger and Instagram influencer turned business owner. My company, Rosebud Social, helps mission-minded brands navigate the world of online communications in an intentional, heart-centered way, and I want to help you to do the same. So friend, grab a cup of coffee, or if you're like me, a craft beer, and let's talk all things social media. So I'm literally opening a craft beer right now. This is my birthday episode. It's actually my birthday on the 16th of September. So instead of normal content today, I wanted to switch things up a little bit. So cheers to all of you. And I wanted to share 16 things that I've learned about myself and about the social media industry after 12 plus years of making money through my social media work. Now, obviously, I've not always been in social media management and kind of social media strategies before that I worked as an influencer and a blogger, but it has been 12 plus years that I've been making money off of content that I've shared on the internet. So that is pretty cool. So I'm going to share, because my birthday's on the 16th and it's a big birthday this year for me, I'm going to share 16 things I've learned. So number one, it's a really misunderstood profession and industry when you work in social media. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there, even by people who actually work in the industry. A lot of people will tell you, you must post at this time. You must post this amount. You must do that. You must do this. There's a lot of assumptions about it. I think too, I often get told like, oh, I wish I could just get paid to be on Instagram all day or like, oh, that must be really easy. Just post a picture and get paid. No, (laughs) it's a lot more than that. Um, And so that's why I think it's a really misunderstood profession and industry. It's also such a new industry that many people just don't understand it. I've talked to many relatives, like my grandma, trying to explain that to my grandma is real complicated what I do. I mean, she's also 93. So that makes sense. But it's a really understood profession in industry. uh, And there's a lot of misinformation out there. And there's just a lot of weird assumptions about it. So that's one thing. Number two, boundaries are essential. Tech boundaries specifically. And I think setting your boundaries for tech, checking your boundaries every now and again, resetting them maybe every year. Uh, all of that I think is really important. And I think we don't have enough boundaries in place, obviously, because all of these apps, even the phone itself is kind of was built and made to not allow you to have boundaries, basically, right? And they want you tethered to the app. They want you tethered to the phone. But uh, I'll just share a few of the boundaries that I have. There's a whole episode on this, but um, no phone at least an hour before bed, no phone in the mornings until I've taken at least 30 minutes of kind of quiet reflection and prayer time. Usually it's a little bit longer for me. Usually it's about 30 minutes of like wake up, get my stuff together, 30 minutes of prayer, usually 30 minutes at mass. And then, you know, 90 minutes to two hours after I wake up, then I'm checking my phone and kind of looking at that. I think that is really, really good. I find that that sets my day up to be really successful. And when I don't do that, when I do check my phone, when I'm like in bed or when I just wake up or maybe right after I get out of bed, I find that I've basically set myself up to have a day full of mental distractions, which is not great. Uh, Another boundary that I have in place that I've been doing for years is a yearly kind of week off detox. Uh, I often do that the week between Christmas and New Year where I just 
get off of all social media, get off of my email. I literally put my phone in airplane mode and it stays in airplane mode pretty much the entire time from December 26th till the 31st. Um, and I think that is a huge thing. You could do that any time of the year. Uh, I just find it really easy to do at that time of the year because there's not too much going on uh, and it's a really easy break. So that's, that's my number two is boundaries. Boundaries are essential. Uh, number three, you're not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. I think I've definitely learned, not that I didn't know that before, but certainly on, you know, when you're on social media, when you're, when you're pretty present there, you know, strangers, past acquaintances who you don't ever talk to anymore, um, people who maybe you do talk to, but you know, don't know too much about your life, they feel very free to come and tell you whatever or tell you you're doing something bad or talk smack about you or whatever. Um, And, you know, I think it can be really hard and very hurtful at first when you start receiving those kinds of comments or seeing those kinds of things. Um, But I think it's best to just ignore them. You're not everyone's cup of tea. You're not meant to be liked by everybody. And like, yeah, we do want to be. And like, yes, it hurts and it stings for sure to not be liked by everyone, but that's okay, right? Certain people like us and they need what we provide and they like the the content and the, the messages that we're sharing and other people we're not going to resonate with and someone else will instead. So I think it's okay, but I think it's good for us to remember that we're not everyone's cup of tea and that's perfectly okay. Uh, number four, when you show up authentically, people can sense that. And I think the, ha- the same happens in reverse. When you show up inauthentically, people people begin to pick up on that. They're like, "Mm, she seems a little fake. Like, "Mm, that seems a little inauthentic, inaccurate to who she really is. But when you show up authentically, people can sense that. Um, And it's not a matter of you being like, oh, this is authentically who I am. Like, this is the real me. Nothing like that. But I think just showing up as you are, sharing your life, sharing the ins and outs, helping people kind of, yeah, peeling back the curtain a little bit into who you are. um, People can sense that. And people really resonate with, those who show up on social media in with purpose, with an authentic voice. Uh, and I think that's really important with so much inauthenticity out there now, with so much how easy it is to be very fake on social media. I think showing up authentically makes us very vulnerable and often can be very raw, but it also is something that the world needs very much now. So show up authentically. People can sense it. It's really good. Uh, it's really hard at times, but it's really good. Okay, number five. There is no need to compare yourself to others online. And I know that's easier said than done, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. And then you're going to be scrolling through your Instagram later and be like, oh, I wish I had her house or her car or her hair or her nails or whatever. Um, I know we've all been there. We do that. But I think especially since so much can be faked online, fake houses, fake followers, fake lives, fake boyfriends, I mean, whatever, so much of it can just be made up that we don't want to sit and compare ourselves to, you know, basically the highlight reel of someone else's life that they're sharing on Instagram. I remember realizing this, I mean, obviously in a lot of different ways, but I remember meeting an influencer that I had uh, kind of inter- interacted with online and meeting her in person and thinking, wow, she's nothing like who she portrays to be online. And I was like really taken back by that. Because I thought, wow, like I was I was prepped and ready to like really like her and really enjoy the time that we had together and we were at a mutual event. And I remember thinking, like, wow, I don't like this version of her at all. And who knows? Maybe she was 
shy or awkward in public. But it was something that I think, you know, ooh, we don't have to compare ourselves and think like, ooh, she was she was a, a better influencer, I guess, than I was at the time. And I remember thinking like, wait, but this doesn't seem like her, right? Or I've worked with others who have bought followers before and were like, well, yeah, but like that's just the way that you grow. Okay, well, but if I'm comparing myself to the follower account that someone else has, that's not going to be very helpful. Or you can buy an account that had a ton of followers and then make it your own and it looks like you grew that follower account, but you didn't, right? So no need to compare ourselves to others online. Just be your most authentic self and don't worry about the rest. Okay, number six, time blocking is the way to get a lot done. Okay, admittedly, I'm an Enneagram 3, which are the hustlers of the hustlers of the hustlers, right? Like we are all about knocking those things off our to-do list, getting a lot done, filling our plates, etc. But I will tell you, a lot of people ask, like, how do I get so much done in a day? And honestly, it is time blocking. I give myself a set amount of time in which I'm going to do something, and that is the time that I allow myself to have to do that, whether that's to create a podcast, to write a blog post, to create social media captions for the month, whatever. Because I have found, and I'm sure you know this too, like we allow ourselves as much time, we take as much time as we allow ourselves. Right. So you can think back to even when you were in school. Right. And if you were a big if you were a procrastinator. Right. Like, guess what? You wrote that paper in the amount of time that you had. But if you had backed it up earlier, you could have done it you know, earlier and not been up late at night or whatever. But like we we take as much time as we allow. So by time blocking and saying, OK, I've got 90 minutes right now to do this. Well, that's going to be really easy. This is one of the things that I do often for a lot of the, the content that I need to write. I'm like, OK, I've got to write four blog posts. I'm giving myself two hours. And then I just sit down and I crunch through it and I turn off all the other things, put my, you know, do not disturb on my phone and just go at it. So time blocking, definitely, definitely the way to get a lot of things done. Okay, number seven, create before you consume. This is one of my like mantras that I've had for a long time, but it's one that I'm kind of leaning more heavily into again now because I think so often people get on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever, wherever they are, and they're looking at it and they are scrolling through, trying to find inspiration, trying to figure out what they're going to post next, trying to maybe find a reel that they're going to copy to turn into their own. And I think personally that consuming before you create really creates an imposter syndrome where you are just comparing yourself constantly to other people and obviously finding yourself lacking. And so then you're like, oh, I'm such an imposter. I'm such a fake. And I also think too that it stifles creativity. Whereas on the other hand, if we're creating before we consume, there's no chance to have imposter syndrome because there's no one to be comparing ourselves to but our own ideas. And I think too, if we create before we consume, we can unleash creativity because we're not sitting here just looking at what everyone else has done. We are coming up with our own ideas, coming up with our own standards, like using different brain powers, brain functions um, to do that. So I think create before you consume. Obviously, too, sometimes we want to consume content to be able to figure out like what's trending and all that. And of course, that's really good. But I would suggest you do that like a day before and then create the next day. Have I seen that earlier, but not super recently, right? So that you're not kind of, your head isn't bogged down with all the things that you've recently seen. Okay, that was number seven. Number eight, learn from those who are ahead of you in business and in life. 
I have gotten so much out of working with people that I admire, whether they are, you know, fellow social media managers who are just further along in their career than I am, even people in business who are just further along than I am, you know, asking them for help, looking to them for support, even paying them sometimes for their insights, things like that. And I have learned so much from just leaning on and learning from people who are ahead of me in business and in life. Uh, and so I think that is just such a helpful tidbit or trick. Sometimes we think we need to have it all figured out. We think we need to do it all on our own. We need to just like power through and like whatnot. But so often we can achieve so much more or be so much better at what we're doing if we just ask for some help and some advice. So lean on those who are ahead of you, learn from them. Number nine, when it comes to social media, use the platform that lights you up and excites you to create and ditch the ones that don't. I will tell you for a really long time, and I think sometimes this changes too over time, right? So when I first started getting into social media uh, and I first, first started my blog way back in the day, um, I was on Twitter first. I had a Facebook account. I didn't do much for the blog on that, but I had Twitter and Twitter was what I really, really loved. I guess we're calling it X now, but uh, Twitter is what I loved. And that was what I kind of like leaned into. And it was great. I was retweeted by Snoop Dogg at one point. Uh, it was, I connected with a lot of people in St. Louis because I actually lived there at the time. Um, and it was wonderful. And then I started not loving Twitter so much, right? Instagram came out. I really liked the visual aspect of Instagram and kind of leaned into that. And that still to this day is probably my favorite platform for sure. Um, and there are others that I just don't love as much. And so I don't kind of lean into it. Like, yes, I dabble and I try and I know best practices and kind of look into them so that I can help clients or make suggestions for them. But I think especially for those who are trying to grow a business, or those who are just even using social media for personal, you know, to share personal things, um, find the platform that really resonates with who you are and what you want to bring into the world. If you are a very visually focused person, then Instagram or YouTube might be a really good place for you. Maybe you love Pinterest and like, that's what really lights you up. Okay. So like lean into that. Or maybe you like podcasting or maybe you just like words more. And so you do want to do, you know, threads and X, whatever it is, but find the platforms that light you up and the platforms that excite you, that get you excited to create content for and, and lean into those and don't worry about the others. Okay. Number 10, and this is going to be a, I like this one a lot. I should have made this number one. Number 10, you can train your algorithm. I am so tired of hearing people say, you know, social media is so horrible. Like, look at all the stuff that shows up in my feed, blah, 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 all this stuff. Guess what? You get to control that. Whatever is showing up on your explore page, whatever is showing up in your feed is because that is what the algorithm put there because of the choices you made while using the app. There's no other way to explain it, right? It's not like you're using the app one way and then... Instagram or Facebook or anything throws you an ad or throws you content that makes no sense for what you're doing. Absolutely not, right? The algorithm is super smart and you can train your algorithm to give you the results that you want. So, you know, for those who are like, oh, it's so horrible, you know, it's it's full of so much darkness or so much hate or so much whatever, that's because you trained your algorithm to be like that. And that might be a little spicy for some of you, but I think it's important to remember. And the good news is, you can change it. You can change your algorithm. Start looking at things that are more positive, that light you up, that bring value and beauty into the world, and you can train your, your algorithm to be different. 
Okay, number 11. Trends and looks, the feel, the vibe on, on these various apps change all the time, right? I remember, you know, there was a while that Instagram was super curated. You did everything. It was perfect. If you scroll back through, actually, it's not my personal account, but it used to be my blog account. If you scroll back through that, you will see perfectly curated. I had white backgrounds. Everything was like in focus. I was using a very specific kind of blue hued filter at the time. And the entire feed looked very cool and very aesthetic because that was the thing, right? And then that has changed. And now it's a lot less aesthetic and you've got more blurry photos that are popular and, and all sorts of things like that. You had real covers that were like all the rage for a while. And now people aren't doing real covers as much anymore. All of these things, these things change a lot, but what doesn't change is people's need to connect with others. And that to me is ultimately the beauty of social media as opposed to other types of media. Um, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but you know, you take a newspaper or a magazine and it's, it's a one-way communication. The writer writes it, it goes out, it's printed, you read it. If you're really passionate, back in the day, you might write a letter to the editor complaining about something that was written, but it's a it was a one-way communication. Whatever the writer was giving you is what you got. Social media, on the other hand, is this beautiful two-way communication, this beautiful back-and-forth dialogue that can happen between follower or viewer and creator. And that's one of the things that I just love about social media. It's probably the thing that I love the most about it is it really can create this connection between people, people that you don't know um, in person, people who maybe you don't spend any time with in person, but you are connected to. So while all of these trends change, the one thing on these apps that doesn't change that I think is the beauty of these apps is that people want to connect with other people. We are human, we are social by nature, and we want that connection. We crave it. And social media can give it to us if we're doing that well. Okay, number 12. It's okay not to capture every moment on your phone. It's okay to just sit there and soak it in, in your, through your eyes, through your mind, through your heart, and not snap a picture. And I will tell you, this is a really hard one for me. Uh, I want to capture everything on my phone so that I can share it with the world, so that I can tell people about it, so that I can remember it and look back at it, so I can make it the backdrop of my uh, screensaver, whatever. I, I, I want to capture everything. But I have found that there are moments in which it's better for me not to pull up my phone and to just be in the moment. Maybe that's dinner with a friend and like, yes, I really want to take a picture of the plate because it looked beautiful but I really want to be with my friend more, right? Or maybe it's family time or whatever. And it's okay to not capture every single moment. And I will tell you too, uh, I was reading a study recently that science actually says that you actually remember things better if you experience it without experiencing it through your phone. So the images, the photos, the things that you're like, oh, I got, I got to take a photo of this so that I can remember it. Your brain actually remembers it better if you don't take the photo and you just take it in. Maybe that's because... I don't know, when you're taking the photo, you have this, you know, idea in the back of your head that like, oh, I don't need to remember this because I've got it stored away on my phone. I don't know. But I think that's a really interesting thing. So, you know, sometimes just put the phone down, leave it in your car, whatever, and go enjoy the moment. Number 13. This is a funny one. It's not totally related to social media, but I just wanted to throw it in there because it's so me. Uh, audiobooks listen to on double time, man, are my jam. So much so that the other day 
my Audible account had a little glitch and it popped. I was in the middle of listening to something and it popped it back to the normal speed. And I literally thought something was wrong. I was like, what it, how, how does anyone listen to this? Um, and I did the research cause I thought I, I started listening to it on double time speed. I listened to all my books on double time, most of my podcasts on double time as well. But, uh, I did the research to figure out like, can your brain actually handle it? And yes, your brain can. Cause usually people read faster than they talk. So if you were reading it, you would probably be reading faster than it's being spoken in one time speed. But also your brain can hear and take in a lot more, a lot quicker than you think it can. So audiobooks, listen to on Double Time Man, you can get through so many books in a year and you're not missing out on anything. So I highly recommend. Uh, I think it works really well for kind of more fun books or uh, books that are easier to follow. I will say there are definitely some books that are like packed with information or things that like you really, really need to focus on that uh, double time speed does not work. Like when I started reading Jordan Peterson's book, I could not listen to that on double time. I needed to like listen to it slowly. I didn't even finish that book. But uh, anyway, audiobooks and double time speed, man, they're my jam. All right, number 14, we're almost done. This is the longest episode I've recorded thus far. Wow, okay, number 14. Don't let someone else's personal opinion of what you're creating get you to change what you're doing. So I have a little story about this. Um, back in the day, I don't know, probably five years ago or so, I was doing a series on my blog, uh, Instagram account that was kind of a call out and a nod to various like people and women during certain times, uh, you know, like so-and-so I see you as you're struggling with this. I'm accompanying you in this way. So-and-so I see you as you're you know, going through this. I, I'm with you. Um, and I loved this series. I did it. I don't know, every couple of weeks or so based on, you know, times in the calendar or things like that, things I'd experienced or talked to friends about. And I loved this series. It was one of my favorite little things that I did. Um, but I had uh, someone tell me that she didn't understand them. She didn't like them. She thought they were a waste of time. And she thought they were meaningless. And, you know, while I could intellectually be like, well, she doesn't understand what I'm doing. And she doesn't really understand social media and, and that kind of a thing. I could, like, rationally I could do that. I couldn't get over the fact that she thought they were dumb and it made me stop making these posts and it, that made me really sad because like suddenly i had lost like i don't know the creative juice almost to be able to make these posts like suddenly i just couldn't even think of what i wanted to say or the the people i wanted to accompany through these posts because because she had just so drastically changed um my opinion on them and that made me really sad so now i try really hard to not let those things happen you know personal opinions like obviously if it's someone else in the industry who's trying to help you and guide you along okay great but someone else's opinion that's like oh that's stupid that you're doing that okay well but do they have any like authority actually to be able to say these things and if not don't let their personal opinions change what you're creating, especially especially if it's something that you really love, that you're putting out into the world and you feel very passionate about. Don't let them stop you. Okay, number 15, take influencer advice and suggestions with a grain of salt. I just had to throw this in there. Um, you know, I will say not all influencers, not all bloggers, not all whatever are committed to giving you honest reviews. Many are after the money. I'm going to just be honest, right? Many of them, you know, just, just want 
the payout. And so they will, you know, endorse, I don't know, this skincare brand one week, then competitor the next week. Although there are some nice contracts written that you can't do that, but you know, or things that they've never even tried. Like I was, I talked to an influencer once who we were, we were at an event together and she had never tried something, but she had shared it on her account and said, Oh, I love this so much. Like perfect for my hair, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I was like, but you didn't even try it. And like, I knew I didn't like the product. I had tried it and I didn't like it. So it's good to kind of do a little bit of research, especially if you have a couple of influencers that you really like and whose opinions like you kind of trust to just kind of do a little research into them, look back and see like, what do they say about what they share, how they decide to do reviews? Do they do negative reviews or what do they say about negative reviews? For instance, I always had the policy that while I wasn't going to give a negative review because I didn't want to, you know, like, shoot down a company I just would not review something that I didn't enjoy so there were many times when I you know got a product that I tried and I didn't like and so I would write the company back and I would say hey uh, I didn't like this product so I can put up my honest review which would say that I didn't like it and here's why or I can choose I cannot review it and Every time the company just asked me not to review it instead. And that's what I did, right? I just made the decision that I wasn't going to leave negative reviews. I just didn't want to bring any more negativity into the world. I just wanted to bring positive, upbeat things and honest opinions. And so I always gave my honest opinion um, about anything that I shared. And I, if I said I loved it, I truly loved it. I truly used it. Um, those kinds of things. So I think, you know, if you're looking at influencer advice, I mean, obviously we should know this, but take everything with a grain of salt and remember they're often getting paid for it. So, you know, make sure that they're, they're being authentic and that you can really trust what they're, what they're saying. Okay. And lastly, number 16, since my birthday is on the 16th, uh, we can bring truth and goodness and beauty into the world through the things that we create. And we can do that through social media. So I just want to encourage you to do that, to take advantage of your social media platforms, whichever ones you love, whether you're on threads or X or TikTok or Pinterest or Twitter, I already said Twitter, (laughs) YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, I don't know, any of the ones out there, consider what you're creating, what you're consuming, what you're putting out into the world and ask yourself, like, is this true? Is this good? Is this beauty? Right? I think we have a unique opportunity to kind of craft, again, with the algorithm idea, to craft the future of content, right? And I think especially when so many people like to look at social media and look at technology and find the negatives and find the bad sides and find the defaults and all of this kind of stuff, the faults, not the defaults. Um, I think we have a unique opportunity to bring beauty, to bring truth, to bring goodness into the world through what we create and through what we consume. And I want to encourage you to do that. Instead of getting down on the negative that's out there, make a commitment to just bring more light into the world. And I think we see this more and more, you know, there's definitely a number of accounts I see now that are just trying to bring light and goodness into the world. But I think try and be that yourself um, through, you know, the little things that you share, whether you're a business or you're just, it's your personal account. There's so many ways that you can bring truth and goodness and beauty into the world. Uh, And I want to encourage you to do the same, to do that. So that's it. Those are my 16 things that I've learned about myself and about the social media industry in the you know 12 plus years that I've been making content and making money through doing that. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. If you uh, are around, wish me 
that sounds horrible. Don't wish me, but it's my birthday on the 16th. <laughs> uh, know that I will be thinking of you guys and uh, thinking of all the future content that I'm going to make for you. This is definitely my passion and it is something that I love to do to be able to get on here for the podcast, but then across the board to just create content for you and to help you kind of navigate the world of social media. So I hope that I can continue to do that for many years to come and um, that you have a really great month of September. Okay. Till next time. Thanks for listening.